today, we're coming to our second week of what we're calling our spiritual self checkup. We're doing this to start the year off, kind of like you'd take your car and you'd get, see the check engine light is on and you would say, I need, I need to have a checkup on my car. Now you've got to figure out what the light's on or get your tires checked, something like that. We're doing that spiritually for the month of January. Because the reason what we're, what we're doing is we're wanting to start our year just on a great solid foundation in a great place so that we have the, we're in a position, we have the courage to do whatever God asks us to do in this year. See, I believe this. I believe God wants to do amazing things in every one of your lives this year. I absolutely believe that's true. I believe God wants to do big things at Portview Church this year. And here's the deal. I don't know what those are yet. And you don't know what those are yet. But here's what I want for each of us and for a church corporately. I want us to be in the position so that when God says, I want you to do this, we say we're ready to do it. And so we're starting off with a spiritual self-check to say, how am I doing walking with Jesus? Are there things that need to be aligned? What's God inviting me into? I think in the the last three weeks of this, I think God's going to even expose to you some of the things he's inviting you into for this year. I really do believe that as we look forward the last three weeks. But today is week two. And so let's kind of think about what we're trying to accomplish here. Week one was last week. And let's remember what week one was about, because I think it's important for you to go know where we're going and where we've come from. Um, first, The first week, last week, we looked at the fact that God wants the best for you as you enter into a new year. We talked about how God is your Abba Father, and he wants the absolute best for you. And then we looked, we said, let's take time to look um, back in our lives and look around in our lives and see how amazing God has been and is and how we see them revealed to us through creation. And so what we're trying to accomplish, we get this picture of just how amazing God is, and how big God is, and how capable God is, so that at the end of week one, what would happen is, we would know God wants the best for us, and because he's so amazing, he also can accomplish, he's capable of accomplishing the best in our lives. And so that's what we looked at last week. And I'd encourage you, if you ever miss sermons, especially when they're tied to kind of a a flow like this, go on our church app, our church website, and you can listen to all of our sermons online and uh, watch them online. And so I'd encourage you, if you missed that one, to to watch that because it helps flesh out what we're trying to do. So we begin, we begin by seeing and experiencing God's amazing presence and his power. And we're convinced that God wants the best for us. And so that's the foundation we started with last week. Now this week, we turn our attention from looking at God and how great he is to looking at ourselves. And um, we're going to move into this this idea um, uh, in the self-checkup that we want to be honest about where we're really at. And I won't kind of warn you, but kind of alert you in advance that this week could have the possibility of being a challenge. Because I'm going to challenge, because remember, we're talking on Sundays about what we could then use for the next seven days, that as we talk about what we're talking about today and we spend time in the next seven days, we're assured God loves us, but then based on the fact that he loves us, we honestly look at ourselves and say, where am I really at with the Lord? And I would say of the five weeks we're going to be together on this, with this, this topic, this the series, this could be the most challenging. You see, the focus of this week is for us to do something that sometimes we don't want to do. It's to be honest with ourselves. To take an honest look at our current spiritual situation. 
where am I really at with the Lord? To be honest with ourselves and say, am I slipping spiritually? To be honest with ourselves and say, am I even really walking with Jesus? To be honest with ourselves and say, if I'm walking with Jesus, am I letting things creep into my life that are taking me in the wrong way? Am I in a better spot today than I was a year ago with the, with the Lord? Or am I literally, really in a worse spot than I was a year ago? And the reason we're being honest with ourselves is so that we can make any necessary course adjustments now say before it's too late. Before we find ourselves in a situation that negatively affects us or possibly even could derail us in our lives or could negatively affect other people around us. Because friends, you know how it works. That if you are off just a little bit today, that the next day it's a little further, the next day it's a little further, the next day it's a little further. And if left unchecked, eventually we can be way off course in our lives and with the Lord. And so the gift of this evaluation is to say, if I'm off course a little bit, let's do a course correction and get ourselves on the right spot with the Lord so that we can walk just in a healthy way into 2023. So let's give ourselves the gift of an honest evaluation of ourselves. I'm not going to be evaluating you and you're not going to be evaluating somebody else. We're going to sit before the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see the truth about us. And then if there's something that needs to be corrected, we honestly make a course correction with the help of the Lord before it gets damaging in our lives. So as we open up our hearts to self-evaluation, let's remember something that's really important here. And this is the focus of today. And this is the, kind of the, the theme that I want to look at today as we're talking about being honest with ourselves. And it's this. And it's a little hard that you and me, we can deceive other people. I can trick you. You can believe things about me. You can believe I'm doing great, even if I'm not. That we can even deceive ourselves, but we can't deceive God. And we want to be honest today so that God, who we can't deceive, will help us to see the truth about us. So deception is what we want to think about today. Today I want to think about that idea of, of deception. Let's be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to expose any areas in our lives where whether we know it or not right now, we are living in ways that are keeping us from God's best for us. And that we are, honestly, if you'll be, you be honest with it, we're actually being deceptive. Because remember what we really want. We want God's best for us. I want God's best for you. So let's be, deal, be willing to deal with anything that stands in the way of God's best for us. And let's not allow ourselves to even lie to ourselves or to deceive ourselves or deceive others as a way of protecting ourselves from really becoming what God wants us to be, become. Because remember, what we want is God's best. And the way we get God's best is we learn to listen to his voice. Because God, remember week one, God loves you and wants the best for you today. So any correction that God ever has in our lives is only based on love. God's not an angry being sitting in hand with a stick looking to smack you if you're wrong. God is a loving Abba Father with his arms wide open wanting to hug us and direct us in the ways that are best for us. And so we're going to be open and honest before a loving Father who only wants what's good for you. So let's think about this idea of deception today. And let's think about, first of all, talking about deceiving others. Are we in any way deceiving others 
in the lives that we're living. Meaning, are we acting one way for people to see? We want them to see us acting a certain way. But really, we're living another way behind closed doors or at least with different people groups. Do we act in certain ways with certain people groups that we would never act with our church family? If that's true, that's called deception. See, this is an issue for people from the beginning of time. It's not something that's a 2023 thing. This is from the beginning of time. It certainly has been a problem with people since the very beginning of the church. 2,000 years. The book of Acts, which is the history book of the early church, tells of an incident in the very beginning of the church's development. It tells us in this explanation of the early church that's just developing that the church was exploding. That the day of Pentecost had come and the, and the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the church and thousands of people were being added to the church and people were being saved and signs and wonders were taking place and new Christians were living, it says, in community and with love and they were so, so changed by God that it says that they were even taking all their possessions and selling them and giving them to other people in need. And it says this, so that in the body of Christ there was not a need to be found. No one was in need. It was a beautiful time in the development of the church. But in the very beginning, in the very early days, the book of Acts, chapter 5, tells us a story about a husband and a wife who are living in that, in that brand new church. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 5 with me. Acts chapter 5 tells the stories of a, of a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And I want to just read about Ananias, and then we'll go on. So let's look at chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Read the first six verses. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Remember, they're doing this because other people were selling what they had and giving it to the church to support the needs of those who didn't have anything. Verse 2. And they kept back some of the price for himself. So he kept back some of the money. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing the portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain yours? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last And great fear came across all those who heard of it. And the young men got up and covered him up and they carried him out and they buried him. Then it goes on in that text to say that basically the exact same thing that happened to Sapphira. That she came in, they questioned her, she lied and she died. And they went and buried her. Now what do we want to take from this story? It's this. There is a malady that affects all of humanity. But listen to me but is especially dangerous for the pious. You know what I mean by the pious, a religious word? It simply means those who take their religion, their walk with God very seriously. That's what piety means. It means you take your walk. You're here today in church on a Sunday morning when you could be doing something else because you have a level of piety. You take serious your, 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 your walk with the Lord. You take seriously your religion. There's a malady that especially affects the pious. The danger, they call it this, of Phariseeism, of being a Pharisee. 
We'll talk about that in a second. But being a Pharisee, which is appearing holy and spiritual on the outside, but being unholy and impure on the inside. And that is the issue here. Jesus said that the Pharisees were like, he said this, they were like whitewashed tombs. Remember Jesus saying that about, about the Pharisees? He says, you look really good on the outside. You're all painted and look nice on the inside, but on the outside. But inside, you're full of rotting bones. You're full of rot on the inside. Well, this was the problem with Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted, they were, they were, they were Pharisees in their approach to life, their spiritual life. They wanted to look good for all the others to see. It says they came and they brought their money and they laid it at the feet of the apostles. They wanted to be celebrated because, oh, look how generous we are. Look how pious we are for doing this great work for God. But their hearts were to deceive others so they looked better than they really were. And see, listen to this text. God wasn't really angry that they kept some of the money for themselves. Some people misunderstand us. They go, oh, look at this. God's saying, give away everything you have. That's not what he says at all here. God is not angry that they kept some of the money for themselves. Clearly, it says the money and the land were theirs to do with as they saw fit. He said, when you owned it, it was your land. When you had the money, it was your money. Do with what you want. But God was angry that they were deceptive, that they lied about it, and they deceived others. That's what God was upset about. And so much that they fell over dead, and the people went and buried them, and it caused fear over this brand new developing church. Friends, this is something that we need to take really seriously. We need to ask ourselves, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit's voice and say, Lord, am I living like a Pharisee? You know, I ask myself that question a lot because it's a danger of my occupation, but it's also a danger of your living seriously for the Lord. Am I acting like a Pharisee? Are we putting on, am I putting on, are you putting on this nice religious front for others to see? Oh, bless you, brother. Let me pray for you. Well, on the inside... Behind closed doors, there's all this junk. There's all these rotting bones. I'm not saying you're ever going to be perfect. But this is about deceiving other people on purpose. It's saying, I, I, I know all this garbage. I'm embracing this garbage in my life, but I'm projecting to you that I'm all religious and holy. I had a professor when I was in college, and he said something. And when he said it, I just said, this is so many years ago. It was 35 years ago. I still remember it because it just shocked me when he said it. He said, the Pharisees of today are the Pentecostal church people. People who believe in a spirit-filled life. And I was like, why? He said, because as a whole, this group of people takes their, their walk with God very seriously. But they're also very concerned with what everybody else thinks about them. And it's very easy to put on a show and pretend that you're something that you're not. I think the most important thing to take from Ananias and Sapphira is this. That it is more important to be righteous and holy on the inside than it is to appear righteous and holy on the outside. The Lord is saying, I don't really care about your appearance. I care about your heart. Self-evaluation helps us see what's the truth of our heart. So this week, my challenge for us, remember we're doing a self-check. This is not a mark check on you. I'm not going to look at anybody else and say, where are you at? I'm going to look at me and say, where am I at? So this week, I, I, let's invite the Holy Spirit, sit with the Holy Spirit, sit with the Word of God, and ask Him to reveal to any of us where we are putting on a show for other people. For others to see, 
but we're hiding attitudes or actions. We're doing things that we would never do. You're doing things you would never invite me to. You're engaging things you would never invite me to. Now, who am I? Just a person. But for somehow you say, I don't want the pastor to find out about that. We're engaged in those kinds of things, but we come here on Sunday and we put a big smile and say, oh, bless you, brother. It's not for my sake we're doing this. It's for our sakes to be healthy and whole. So we invite the Holy Spirit to reveal any ways that we are putting on a show for others to see, but we are hiding attitudes or actions that we know are are just not in line with God's way of living, and therefore they're damaging to us, and they're probably damaging to other people. The example we're given, maybe we're we're living a certain way, but our kids are seeing it. And we're damaging them along the way. Remember that this week and this month is about just getting better. It's about becoming more like Jesus, becoming more in line with what God has for us. It's a gift of getting better. So let's be honest with ourselves so the Holy Spirit can help us grow into the kind of people that God wants us to be. Right? So that's one type of deception. We're going to look at two types of deception. That was the first type of deception. Deceiving others in order to look good or look spiritual. It's a malady of the pious more than anybody else. I knew a guy who was a drug dealer and a relative. And the thing I took from knowing him and his friends, they didn't put on airs. It was actually kind of refreshing. Sounds crazy, right? They didn't put on airs. They just knew exactly what they thought, what they were doing. There was no phoniness about them. There's a, there's a temptation in Christ to be phony. But it, it hurts you. And what God was trying to show through Ananias and Sapphira, because he, as far as I know, God's never done that again. You know, it said to put the fear in the church. Don't put the fear in us. God, I don't think, has ever knocked anybody dead again since then for doing it. But he was trying to make a point in the very early church of saying, this is, this is really harmful. And he said, I want to root it out in the very beginning. He wanted to make an example of them and to say, listen, this is, be more concerned about the inside than the outside. Because we're more concerned about the inside. We become the people God wants us to be. And that's what happens then. Then the outside will reveal it. Does that make sense? So that's the first type of deception, deceiving others in order to to look good, look more spiritual. And maybe that type of deception isn't always easy for others to see, but it's something that we are aware of in ourselves, right? We know it. Ananias and Sapphira knew what they were doing. Now, there's a second type of deception that we want to think about today. That that we need to be aware of, and it's just as insidious, maybe it's more insidious than this. It's not deceiving others, it's deceiving ourselves. It's self-deception. This deception takes place within us, and often others can see it, but sometimes we cannot or we just refuse to see it in ourselves. And just as much, it's just as much of a problem for our spiritual health as willfully deceiving other people. And again, let's look at another example from Scripture that reveals this to show this is a real, a real issue in the church of Jesus Christ. Flip your Bible all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, to the third chapter. I know that so many people want to look at Revelation and try to figure out what's going to happen next in world events. I don't think the book of Revelation has anything to do with that. I'm not saying someone's not in there. It's a revelation. The title says it. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's just showing this. Jesus wins. So the whole book is about snapshot, Jesus wins, snapshot, Jesus wins, snapshot, Jesus wins, snapshot, Jesus wins. Now some of it 
is tied to um, events that have occurred and may occur or will occur, but that's not the real intention of it. It never was meant to be. It's saying Jesus wins. That's, it's a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That's what it says, the very title of it, the entrance, but a revelation of Jesus Christ. But look at the third chapter with me. Look at it as he's saying Jesus wants to win by helping. He wins, God, Jesus wins when we become who we're supposed to become. The body of Christ becomes what, what, who, whom he died for. We become so that we can become everything that he envisions for us. So he's writing these letters, the, these messages to different churches, to real churches that really existed in the world then. And in chapter 3, starting verse 14, he writes a letter to the, the Holy Spirit, inspires it, and John writes it down, to a church in a place called Laodicea. And let's read that, starting in verse 14 of chapter 3. To the angel of the church, and have you ever read letter Bible, anybody? It's written in red, right? So these are words of Christ. Letters, words of Christ to the church. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this. It's a description of Jesus right there. Verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, you do not know and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may cover yourselves that your shame and your nakedness will not be revealed that I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. What a verse right there. Those whom I love, God loves us and wants the best for us. He reproves and disciplines, so therefore be zealous and change direction is what repentance means. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, in other words, gets better, follows what God is saying. I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also have overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What I want us to see here is the self-deception that these Christians lived in. Look again at verse 17. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and here's what you need to notice, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You do not know this about yourself. That's called self-deception. This is written to Christian people. This is not written to, 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 to people outside the body of Christ. This is written to a church. This Jesus himself, by the Spirit of God, inspired the Holy Spirit to reveal this to John, who recorded it in Scripture. It is a message to a particular church and to us as the church. It was written to Christians. How could Christians see themselves as so healthy and strong? Look at they say, we're rich and we're wealthy and we're in need of nothing. And in our church vernacular, we go, I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. Everything's going great. I got everything wonderful. Jesus is just blessing me. If you're a pastor, you're speaking at church growth conferences. If you're pastoring this church. That's how they see themselves. Well, God sees them as, he says what? 
These are God's words. Wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He sees the exact opposite of blessed. How is that possible? How is it possible to be that self-deceived? I believe it comes, and you need to pay attention to this, I believe it comes by evaluating ourselves based on the culture around us instead of against the life of Christ. I believe the way self-deception happens is by evaluating ourselves based on the culture around us instead of basing it against the life of Christ. See, they live, their story is they lived in a city called Laodicea. Laodicea was a rich, sophisticated, productive city. They were known for producing rare black wool that was very valuable. They were known for having a solid banking system. And they were known for being medically advanced. Matter of fact, that's why he makes references to money and production and ISAV. Because in, in their advanced medical system they had, they were known for having a cure for a common eye ailment of their day. So in other words, they were a success. They were a success. They were Ozaki County. They were Ozaki County of the day. Not only we live in America, which is blessed, we live in Ozaki County which is blessed upon blessed. That's what Laodicea was like. Clearly that definition of success had filtered into the church and become their definition of success also. Because when it says what you think about yourself, they mimicked what was true of their culture. We're we're rich, we're well-fed, we're in need of nothing. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Sometimes in the church world of today. So they thought, saw themselves as successful, rich and in need of nothing. But God sees them as poor and blind and miserable. And I mean, he just, he really throws it out there. And he says another word for them. He says, you're lukewarm. What's that mean? Basically means just they had no passion for the things of God. They were engaged, but they had no passion for it. Yes, passion, obviously, for the things of their culture, for getting rich but real no passion for the things of God. So they evaluated themselves based on the culture around them instead of against the life of Christ. And here's the problem. They didn't even realize it. I'd guess if they were, you were to argue with them about how successful they are, they would try to challenge you and go, look at the blessings of God are all around me. I'm rich. And well-fed and need of nothing. God has blessed me. We're doing great. I believe that's what would happen. So here's the question. How can they or we see the truth? Because we want to see the truth. How could they or we move beyond living in self-deception? Because here's the truth, friends. If I see myself as doing, myself as doing great and God sees me as doing terrible... Is it wise to live in self-deception and keep living terrible, terribly? (laughs) No. It's better to know that God loves you. Remember, those I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Change. It's better for us to see the self-deception, see the truth about ourselves, and get better. Because the only reason he reveals the truth is not to be, make us feel bad, but to make us change and get better. So the big question is, how could we, how can we see the truth? 
How can we move beyond self-deception? And I believe the answer is in the text. The answer is this, by hearing the voice of God. Look at verse 18. He says the situation, here's the situation you're in. He says, you're blind and you're naked, and I advise you to buy. And he goes on, he gives an answer. And I said at the beginning, who's the I here? Who's speaking? Jesus, by the Spirit. We hear the voice of Jesus. See, the Lord spoke to them. And the Lord speaks to us through his word. The message was, and God could, God could bring a, like John was, a, was prophetic, heard this stuff. God could bring a prophet to speak in my life, and that's wonderful. But God already has brought a prophet to speak into my life. It's called the word of God. The message that Jesus had, think of this here, was delivered to Laodicea through the Holy Spirit by inspiring John to write the letters of the book of Revelation. How was the message delivered? God himself, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, inspired John to say this is what God says to the people of Laodicea, and he wrote it down. And they read it, and they responded. That same inspired word is available for us, the word of God. It's here for you and for me. And this is what we know. The ultimate purpose of the inspired word of God is to reveal Jesus Christ. The Old Testament pointed forward to him, and the Gospels tell about him, and the epistles explain his teachings, and Revelation shows his victory. So to break or avoid self-deception, we hold our beliefs and our actions up against Jesus as he's revealed in the Word of God. Not a Jesus of your own making, not a Jesus that you want to believe was that, but Jesus as revealed by the Word of God. Jesus is the one who said this to the people of Laodicea. Sometimes we only think of Jesus, the Jesus of our own mind just walks around carrying sheep all day, right? He just carries sheep all day and that's Jesus, right? No, this is Jesus. Jesus also carried sheep, right? Loved people. He loved them so much, he told them the truth. So to break or avoid self-deception, we hold our beliefs and our actions up against Jesus as revealed in the scriptures. See, next to Jesus... As we look at Jesus in his word, a person or a church focused on a worldly view of success becomes evident. That's deception exposed. Next to Jesus, a person who, who, who um, hates another person because of their political opinions or their ethnic origins becomes evident. Deception exposed. Next to Jesus, a person who hoards all their wealth while others are suffering is evident. Deception is exposed. The way to avoid self-deception is to hold our attitudes and actions up against the teachings and the life of Jesus Christ as explained in the word of God. Then his light will illuminate our self-deception so that we can do what he offers the people in the city of Laodicea. To those I love. I reprove and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And look what he says. He said, listen, behold, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice, open the door. I will come into him and I will dine with him and he will be. He offers us a close relationship. If we'll say, listen, I'm going to be honest about what's true, what you show me to be true about myself as I compare myself, my thinking, my life up against the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. 
and I see anywhere I'm, self, I'm deceiving myself. So we can change. We can get better. We can grow in Christ's likeness, which is the ultimate goal for our Christian lives. So this week, a week where we make the bold decision to reveal deception in our lives, and it's a bold choice, and here's the deal. You can choose to ignore doing this. Any one of us can. I'm challenging. I said at the beginning of this month, I'm going to take these five weeks, and I'm I'm going to encourage you to engage with the Lord in a way that at the end, we're in a really good spiritual spot. Well, you can choose to just ignore this this week. But I challenge you not to do that. Because God wants to expose things in our hearts because he loves us so we can get better. See, I believe Jesus wants to help us. He loves us so much that he wants the best for us. So he wants to help us get better by even revealing those things that might hurt us so that we can overcome them. My suggestion for this week is to take some time and sit in silence and simply ask Jesus to help you see the truth about yourself. Ask him to be like a mirror. You see the truth about yourself. Ask him to bring to your remembrance things from his word that speak to your situation and ask him to speak to you as you engage with his word. And I'd recommend for this week that you just stick with the stories of Jesus in the four gospels. Spend some time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John this week. Just reading the stories about Jesus, showing, seeing who Jesus is and, and how he is, and then saying, God, what does, as I hold my life up against Jesus, what does that say about me? Worship team would come this morning, please. We're going to end our time today by engaging in a, a, a spiritual activity that Jesus gave us with one of the intentions of this to reveal deception. You say, that really? The Lord's Supper that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and we read this every time, almost every time we do communion, we read about it, do this in remembrance of me, do this in remembrance of me, and it says, the last verse I usually read is this, verse 28 of chapter 11. But a person, a man or woman, must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Communion starts with self-evaluation. I try to point that out whenever we do it. Communion starts with being honest with yourself about yourself. It says before a person would eat of the bread or drink of the cup, they should be honest about where they're really at. Now, is he saying, oh, if you see something that therefore you find something in your life that's out of alignment with the Lord, or you're disqualified, you can't take communion. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying when you see the thing that's out of alignment, hold it up before the Lord. And as he said to Revelation, repent. Repent is when you have the, the epiphany that says, oh my goodness, this is true about myself. The people of Laodicea had an epiphany. The epiphany goes, oh my goodness, we think we're rich and in need of nothing. And God says we're poor and miserable and blind. That's the epiphany. They go, oh, God says this about me. But that's not repentance yet. Repentance is, oh, I recognize it. And then I change direction. So the, so the, the people of Laodicea had to say, okay, this is what you're pointing out about my heart in my life, now I want to turn towards Jesus and I want to say, okay, God, I want to do what you asked, what you told me to do. You told me to come to you and, 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 and every one of the things you said buy from him were things that were in opposition to their false beliefs about their culture. Here's the deal. God's not going to speak to you about them. He's going to speak to us about us. 
And so communion starts about letting the Holy Spirit speak to us about us. It's one of the reasons why when we do communion here on a monthly basis, I take so much time with it. Sometimes people come and visit other pastors and they go, you spend more time doing communion than any church I've ever been in. I go, yeah. Why? Because we got to be, it's not about just eating a piece of bread and drinking some, some, some juice, grape juice. It's about allowing the Spirit to speak to us. So let's take the, the bread off the top. You know, I say something about taking the bread off the top, peel a little thing back. If there's somebody next to you, and I mean, there's no disrespect, that's maybe elderly or has arthritis, will you help them? I had absolutely no idea these things were hard to open until on New Year's Eve when we had communion. We prayed and had communion with multiple families and the amount of people that couldn't open these. I had no idea. We started using these since COVID because they're, they're cleaner. But the amount of people who, who couldn't open them. So if somebody near you can't open it, help them out. So take the bread. Jesus said, this is my he said, given for us. He said, we're going to take it in remembrance of him. And what I want us to remember this morning, tied to self-evaluation, is that Jesus is here. The body reminds us of his presence. When Jesus wanted to remind us about who he is and what he's done, and he started communion, the Lord's Supper, he didn't say, let's just think about a couple of statements of faith. He said, I want you to hold some things in your hands, and you're going to eat them. Because he wanted to remind us that he's as real as this wafer is. And the bread to me always reminds me, speaks to me of the presence of God in this moment. That Jesus is resident in this moment right now. And if he's resident in the moment, he's able to speak to us. See, he gave you all spiritual ears and he gave you all spiritual eyes. Even if you have ears that can't hear in the world because you're deaf and you have eyes that can't see, you can still hear and see the things of the Lord. He still speak to you. So why don't you do something with me? Close your eyes. Jesus, we're holding the element of the bread this morning, and it speaks to us of your nearness, your presence, that you're in this moment with us. And Lord, we're taking as a church the bold and even difficult opportunity to ask you to speak to us about our own lives. Are we living in deception? Are we willfully deceiving other people? Maybe not like Ananias and Sapphira lying about money, but maybe it's really living a double life. Are we deceiving ourselves? That we really look at ourselves and say, I got it all together, but you look at us and go, oh, you got so far to go. I know we all have a long ways to go, Lord, but, but there's a difference between knowing you have a long ways to go and, and thinking you got it all together. Self-deception. In the same way you inspired a message through John the Revelator to write to the Met Church of Laodicea, we know that you are just as real and present with us in this moment as you are with John in that moment when he wrote this message to the church. You're just as real and powerful in this moment as you were with, with um, Peter and Ananias and Sapphira when Peter said, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? What he wanted to see is they could lie to people but they couldn't lie to you. 
that you know the truth. Well, Lord, as we stand before you today, I ask you to open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears. And Lord, I'd ask you even in this quiet moment right now, but also throughout this week, would you speak to us? Would you speak to me? Would you show us where we as individuals are deceiving others or deceiving ourselves? Because, Lord, we want to change direction if we are, as we are. We want to be more like you. We want to get better. So, Lord, in this moment, right now, speak to our hearts. Reveal in our minds that thing, that activity, that deception that's holding us back. We trust you that you're a good Abba Father and you want the best for us. So we're confident that we can be honest before you. We're not afraid to be honest with you. Because you're our good, loving Father. So now I ask you to take that piece of bread, everybody. And in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to eat the bread. What, we're, what I want us to be thinking of today is we're signaling, we're signifying that we're welcoming Jesus into our life to be honest with us today and this week. Not always, but in particular, this week we're saying, I want you to be honest with me. I'm welcoming your voice and your revelation into my life. Let's partake of the bread together. open up the cup. The thing that I'm reminded of today with the cup it represents Jesus' shed blood on the cross. And it speaks always to me of the, one of the main things, of power. See, the cross, death couldn't hold Jesus. He shed his blood and three days later he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us if we're followers of Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit would remind us of things of deception, self-deception or deceiving others, I know this, it's going to take the power of God to help us to change. He never asked us to go try really hard and change on our own. He said to surrender those things to Him and by His strength and His power, He would enable us to become more like Jesus. It's a spiritual activity. It's not a human activity. And the shed blood reminds me of the power available in this very moment from Jesus toward us. Not towards everybody else. You're holding the cup. You're going to, in a minute, take of the juice. And you're going to be inviting his power to help you to grow and to change as we start a brand new year. 
So Jesus, I thank you that the grave death could not hold you. The enemy didn't win. That you rose victorious and you shed your blood, but now you are alive. And by the shedding of your blood, we have the empowerment of the forgiveness of sin and the empowerment to become all that you planned for us to become. So Lord, not only do we want to see the truth, we want to also be empowered by your presence to change and grow and become better. So let's partake of the cup and invite Jesus' power into our lives for transformation. Jesus, we need you. We need you. We need you. Lord, we don't want any self-deception. In all humility, we understand that we are not able, that we only are who we are because of you helping us and holding us. We need you to do that. We need you to hold us and heal us. Help us, as you said to the church of Revelation, that we could be overcomers. Overcome those obstacles in our lives that, that are just maybe because of how we are raised, what our culture around us teaches. We want to see more clearly. We want the mind of Christ. We welcome you to do only the things that you can do in our lives. Let's stand this morning. We're going to worship the Lord. Worship team's going to lead us in a song. We're going to worship the Lord. And I'm going to invite you as we're singing, if you want to come forward and spend some time in prayer, I will pray with you if you want it. Our worship, our prayer team will pray with you if you want. But today is a day about self-evaluation. I'm going to encourage you to come forward and find a place to pray. I'm going to encourage you to kneel at your chair and find a place to pray. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit, let's not run from this moment. Let's allow this Holy Spirit just to minister in our lives, reveal things to us, open up our hearts for these closing moments. Then after the song, I'll come back up here and I'll close our service. I invite you just to spend this time in worship and openness before the Lord as the worship team sings.